This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. Good morning. Uh, I was telling Bryce, it, it was a lot more fun to come here on Sunday when Florida State wasn't any good. <laughs> I didn't have to come explain why Florida got their butt kicked by Kentucky yesterday, but tis the day we live in. Um, as Eric said, I mean, I know most of you guys, my name's Austin McElroy. Uh, my wife and I are the executive directors of Teen Challenge in Tallahassee, um, and we've been coming here since 2019. It's a lot of you guys we haven't seen in forever. It has been a year. Uh, in Teen Challenge this year, full of some incredible highs. Um, we have more students now than what we've ever had. As I came here today, we have 49 students um, in our program, um, and that's incredible. It means people are getting help. It means that people who are lost, and amen. People who are lost and, and lives are getting destroyed by addiction, are, you know, have the opportunity to get to know who Jesus is and allow Christ to change their lives. My wife and I are passionate about that because it's exactly what Jesus has done for us. We were both former drug addicts uh, a long time, and God rescued us, used the ministry of Teen Challenge to save our lives, and we both just committed our personal lives to serving in whatever capacity that is. With 49 students, there are days that we are leading people to Jesus and praying the sinner's prayer, and then the past several Sundays, we uh, had a van go down, and so our role is volunteering our vehicles and taking guys to church and making sure we all have, you know, enough seats to get everybody where they need to go. So it's uh, it, there, it's been a year of extraordinary highs and just devastating lows. This past week, we've had two former graduates pass away. Um, one, we really don't know the cause of death. The other was just a tragic accident, serving his church, cutting down a tree, and tree fell on top of him just out of the blue. Um, and so pray for our, our ministry. I mean, we need it always, but this last week and losing, you know, two former graduates has just been tough. Uh, it's been a, it's been a hard stretch for us, but we're thankful. We know that God has a plan. We are not discouraged by what we see in the world because we know as believers, we all have the eternal hope that is, that is heaven for each and every single one of us. The two guys that aren't with us anymore I know their hearts. I prayed with both of them to receive Jesus. And so though we mourn them here on earth, we know their families uh, mourn them and gone too soon, but we know that their lives are now perfect in eternity with Jesus. And apart from the love and the mercy of God, that's not possible. So no matter what, we have a reason to celebrate. But today, uh, I, I was honestly wrestling this past week. Mario called me uh, or texted me, I think on Friday or Saturday of last week and asked me to do it. And I was wrestling between two passages of Scripture that, truth be told, just really spoke to me uh, in the last several months. And I was wrestling between the two of them. And just kind of earlier this morning, I just decided I'm going to kind of combine them and do them both. Don't worry. It, I'm not going to go long. Um, they're short principles, but they're important principles. And so I'm not much for titles, but if I had to title this, um, I would title it The How and Why of Christianity the how and why we do what God has called us to do in everyday life. The, the first thing I want to look at starts in Romans 
chapter 12, as a Teen Challenge staff body, we pick a book of the Bible every year and we go through in our weekly staff meetings, we just set aside that first part to dive into God's word together, iron sharpening iron. There's no director or intern in those meetings. We are all just brothers in Christ trying to take principles from God's word and apply them to our everyday life. So this few weeks ago, we were in Romans chapter 12. This first verse in Romans chapter 12, I think is one of the, for me, one of the most powerful principles in scripture because it reminds me what God expects from me. Um, So Romans chapter 12, verse one, it says, I appeal to you, therefore brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. The King James says, I beseech you, brothers, and and the definition of beseech is to fervently or urgently apply a principle to someone's life. And Paul's telling the church at Rome, listen, I, I need you to listen to me. I need you to pay attention. And I think we as a church need to do the same thing. And this doesn't discredit an ounce of what Bryce and the team do every Sunday. It doesn't substitute that for anything. Us worshiping God is a powerful moment that we all have. But Paul's telling the church at Rome that if you, you're, the way you live your daily life is the greatest form of worship that you could ever give to the Lord, a daily living sacrifice. Sacrifice has to cost you something. If, if, if a move doesn't cost you anything, it's not really a sacrifice. And the moment that each and every single one of us accepted Jesus as our, as our Lord and Savior, if you're saved, it cost you something at that moment. It costs you not being able to follow after your feelings and emotions anymore. The Bible says that our carnal mind or our flesh is in enmity with God. It is not subject to God's, to God's law. Your flesh is not going to lead you in the direction of the truth of God's word. So the moment we accept Jesus, we now accept a leading of a different kind. We have to deny that so it will cost you what feels good in a moment. But he says a living sacrifice, which means a continual sacrifice. Every single one of us in this room right now are living. That means there is something in front of us that we have to accomplish. Living uh, indicates a moving on or a moving forward, a continuing sacrifice in our everyday life. And that's important because the second verse in Romans says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that you may prove that, that by testing you may discern what the will of God what is good, acceptable, and perfect. I ask myself a lot of days, what patterns of this world am I conforming to? Am I conforming to the pattern of fear? Am I conforming to the pattern of anxiety? Am I I conforming to the pattern of disobedience or arrogance or ego and all these things? And I find myself on a daily basis in these moments of stress. And, And oftentimes I ask myself, Austin, how did we get here? And if I'm going to be honest with myself, I say it a lot. I think one of, the, one of the greatest tools that we all have as believers is the ability to self-examine, right? To give an honest self-examination of oneself. I think it's one of the greatest traits we will ever possess, to be able to look in the mirror and ask myself, where am I really? Not where do I want my staff to think that I am. Not where do I want the Teen Challenge students or the members of my church. Not where I want you to believe that I am. But where am I really? And if I'm honest with that, there's a lot of days where I'm really not where I want to be. 
The days that I'm living in stress or fear of, or, or anxiety, I know that's not what God's called me to. So I have to ask myself, Austin, what pattern that I conform to that puts me in the circumstance? Because he's asking me to renew my mind. And that, again, this isn't a one-time thing. We have to renew our minds daily. And the question ultimately is, what are we renewing our minds with? The world gives us a lot of information and a lot of tools to renew our mind based on what the world wants us to think. You can flip on any news channel. You can watch a Republican or a Democrat debate. They're all going to tell you what they want your mind to be focused on. And it, oftentimes it's distracted from the things that we really need to focus on. Am I renewing my mind with the truth of God's word? Am I putting myself in a posture of humility, which is what my life as a living sacrifice will give me more than anything else? It will keep me in a posture to learn and to grow from God's truth. The very moment later on in Romans, it tells us not to think more highly of ourselves than we should. And I find myself doing that a lot. Find myself in a place where, you know, the truth isn't necessarily what I want to hear. It's always what I need to hear but it's very rarely what I desire to hear because I don't want to be uncomfortable a lot of times. I don't want to be stretched. I don't want to feel like I can't do something. I hear people say all the time that God will never lead you to something that, that, that you can't get through, and I don't know that that's true. God has taken me places in my life that I know for a fact I didn't get myself through. I think God wants us to get to a place of dependence, a total dependence on him. And when we present our bodies daily as a living sacrifice, when my, when my spiritual form of worship is the way that I treat other people, the way that I conduct myself when no one else is looking, the level of character and integrity that I possess through the mercies of God, because if it was up to me, I don't have any of this stuff. I've proved myself on a daily basis, even now as a believer, working in full-time ministry, purposing to serve God every day, that at best on my own, I am an absolute total failure. But, but it is through the mercies of God through the loving kindness that God displayed for me on the cross, that I have the ability to live as a living sacrifice, that I can renew my mind daily with the truth of God's word. So that principle is extremely important because the second portion of scripture that we read is kind of hits me in the face a little bit. And, and I hope it, I don't want to offend anybody, but I want it to hit you in the face a little bit too, because that's why we're here, right? We're here to be encouraged, but we're here to be, but we're also here to be challenged. So the second portion of scripture that I want to look at is in the book of Titus, chapter three. So context, when you're reading the Bible, is obviously extremely important. So the context of the letter that Paul wrote to Titus, Paul had gone and established a church, church in one of the most immoral cities and areas of the time, the nation of Crete. Crete was known for their immorality. And Paul, like he does, goes to the center of a, of a city that he knows is immoral, that he knows is probably going to reject him, and he plants his flag for Jesus right in the middle of the city. And he establishes the church in Crete. But Paul, knowing that he is only one man, has and knows the call that God has on his life, he plants a church, then he goes to a new area. But he always leaves somebody behind to carry the flag for that church. So Titus was who he left in Crete, a lot like how he left Timothy at the church of Ephesus. He goes and establishes a church in Ephesus, finds that they start getting out there a little bit in their doctrine. So he establishes a leader. Timothy writes a letter of instruction. He does the exact same thing with Titus in the nation of Crete. So that's where we find the church at, the church at Crete and where we find the letter to Titus is he's established this church 
But in the first part of Titus, he says that there are false teachers that have started to arise. We live in a world, unfortunately, where false teachers arise. Our, our nation and where we are today as a society isn't a whole lot different than where uh, Paul found the church in Crete, that he establishes a church. They start off really strong, but over the course of time, they just start drifting a little bit. Paul identifies a couple of the false teachings in the first part of Titus as people who are hanging on too closely to Jewish tradition, that they are more about tradition and more about exercise than they are about a relationship with Jesus Christ. So book of Titus chapter 3, very first two words. He says, remind them. He's talking to Titus, telling Titus to tell the people in Crete to remember. And if you're anything like me, man, as a, as a, as a human being in this world, I tend to forget a lot of things. I could start off my day with a good devotion. I can listen to some worship music and everything seems to be going the way I want it to. And then the second I walk in the door, there's a teen challenge student who's yelling and cussing out the staff members. And I'm like, dang, man, in my first instinct is to resort back to what I think I know is right and then to react. For, for us as believers, the difference between our reaction versus our response is a telltale sign of where we are as Christians, right? A reaction, is tend to, a reaction tends to be driven by emotion. A response is something that's a little bit more thought out. And hopefully we run it through the filter of God's word and God's truth before we deliver whatever response that is necessary for the time. So he tells them to remember. The Bible has, is, has a very deep spiritual tone and meaning to every single part of it. It is God-breathed, God-inspired, good to the use of rebuking to the piercing of joint and marrow. It is a living testimony of God's love for us. But I also, when I read the Bible, I also believe it is very literal too. And he's telling them to remember because he knows as human beings, we're going to forget. He knows that as believers, the world's just got a way of twisting us up enough to forget what we need to know in the moment. So he says, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient to be ready for eat, to be ready for every good work. I, I don't know what the rest of this day holds for me or you or anybody else, but I know that as long as today is the day that the Lord has made, there is a there is a purpose of a good work in it for you. It can be a good work in your community. It can be a good work in your family. It can be a good work in yourself. But we were created for good works. Each and every single one of us are. But again, our ego and our arrogance and our desire to win and our desire to be right removes us from a posture of humility that almost puts a cap on the amount of good works that we are able to do. In the spirit of transparency, I'm gonna tell you guys, in March of this year, I was done. I was ready to be done with Teen Challenge. I was ready to be done with ministry. And it wasn't a single event that happened that caused us to be like, no, we're just... Good. It was a series of events of the last five years, and I told Cassidy, and I'll tell you guys the truth, I was just sick of being a doormat. I was sick of not being able to fight back. I was sick of people saying bad things about me, my wife, my family, my staff, the ministry of Teen Challenge, because in all actuality, truth be told, I know how imperfect I am. I know how imperfect our ministry is. I work, I, I know the inner workings of every single thing that we do. I know the heart is to serve the Lord, but as human beings, we do it in an imperfect way. We are not the perfect solution for addiction in this world. Jesus is. 
Teen Challenge is not. Teen Challenge doesn't change people. I don't change people. God is who changes people. And I was sick of people saying bad things about God too. I was ready to, to grab my sword and go to war. And I was sick of just sitting there taking it over and over and over again. We had a job lined up. We had, it was way more money than what we make now. We were going to be way better financially. We were going to be closer to our family. Those of you who know us, I mean, my family's in Tennessee. Cassidy's family's in northern Alabama. We are six and a half hours from the closest family member, and we have been raising both of our kids. Kids get to see their grandmother two or three times a year, their aunts and uncles once or twice if they're lucky. We're just over it. We were done with it. We had decided that we were going to take a different path, and we were just kind of waiting for everything to line up and play out the way that we knew that it would, and we were going to be good, and we could serve our egos, and we could say what we wanted to, and people weren't going to post about us on Facebook if we did. We were on our way, and God smacked both of us in the face on the same day, at the same time, totally separately, but told us both, we're not done yet. And I was mad, and I was upset, but I remembered this life isn't mine anymore. When this, when this life belonged to me, I ruined it. When, this, when I was in charge and the captain of this ship, I captained, I captained it 10 times worse than the Titanic. I was a sinking ship with no hope, no life, no future. God turn the reins and the wheel over to him. And, and my life isn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but it's a heck of a lot farther than what I thought it would be if you'd asked me 10 years ago. 10 years ago, a life that was destined for destruction, liar, manipulator, thief, everything that went along with drug addict and junkie, all of those words that are synonymous with that life, that was me. And that was my wife. That's who we were when we were in control. God spoke to us, told us to stop. And that's when God brought this principle and Titus right back to me. He had to remind me to stay in a posture of humility, to be submissive in to my rulers and authorities. Well, what about if they're not good rulers? Doesn't say. To be submissive regardless. There is a caveat unless they're asking you to sin. God gives us instructions on how to handle that. But if it's not that, if it's not this very specific reason, I am to continue to be submissive to rulers and authorities that I am to continue to live my life as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, so that I can live a life that is prepared for whatever good work he has in front of me. Whatever call he's got, I want to be able to fulfill, but I can't do it if I'm not living as a, as a living sacrifice. I can't do it if I'm not re renewing my mind based on the truth of God's word. Later on in the book of Romans, chapter 12, it tells us how to overcome when people are talking bad about you. When people are talking bad about you or your ministry or your family, and it's pretty easy and it's pretty simple. Overcome evil with good. To continue to be good even in the sight of evil. For it is, it is the Lord who vindicates and fights our battles. I so badly wanted to fight. I so badly wanted to fight for all of the things that I believed was right. God spoke to me and said, nope, I'll fight it. You need only be still. So Paul's talking to the church at Crete through Titus, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one. We're doing a, Cass and I are leading a small group. We have college-age kids. One of the questions in our small group, we're doing a study that's called Surviving in Babylon, or Thriving in Babylon. And it's talking about how to 
live for young Christian believers? How do we thrive in an area, in a, in a place that is very counterculture to what we know to be true for God's word? And one of the questions was a very thought-provoking question. Why is it today that we live a lot more based on what someone says rather than what they do? And through discussion, we came to the conclusion in all actuality that we're lazy a lot of times. It's easy to see something posted on social media and judge a person based on what we read versus what we see because that takes a lot more effort to judge the actions of somebody because then you have to get to know somebody. Then you've actually got to spend time with someone and observe them. But the lazy way to do it is to read something or hear something and accept that as truth because it's the easy way out. And we, when, when we are living in our flesh, want the easy way. Avoid quarreling, speak evil of no one, to be gentle and to show perfect courtesy towards all people. Not some people, not perfect courtesy to the people in the pew next to you, not perfect courtesy to the, to the people that are sitting in this room or in other churches, all people, regardless of faith, their, their faith-based belief system, regardless of their ethnicity, regardless of their color, regardless of anything else. Man, if we adopt this principle, perfect courtesy towards each and every single person, that takes humility. That takes a living, sacrificial life to treat people that way, regardless of our thoughts or beliefs about them. But why do we do that? So, so we kind of talked about the how. How do we do it? By living a life that is totally submitted to Jesus Christ, regardless of our personal preference or circumstance. Our love for Jesus has to, has to supersede our personal preference. It has to supersede our preference of college football team, amen? It has to supersede anything else. Our love for Christ has to supersede our lack of respect for anyone else. So that's the how, but why? And in Titus chapter three, verse three, is very apparent to me because we ourselves were once foolish. You don't have to have lived the life of drug addiction like I did. Every single one of us have a moment where Christ came into our lives and rescued us. Every single one of us has a moment where we were as far from him as we will, as we will ever be. Can't live on the hill of hypocrisy as, as believers, as Christians, as the church. It's because I was once foolish that I can now give that same love to others. In the moments that I was ready to bounce and I was ready to get the heck out of Christianity, not Christianity, but ministry altogether, ready to go do anything other than any type of ministerial duties whatsoever. When I was talking to my family and I was telling them, yeah, I've got this plan, going to get the heck out of Dodge, going to ride off into the sunset. The words, I've paid my penance, actually came out of my mouth. Now, I'm not even a Catholic. But I told them, my penance has been paid. I've served this ministry for 12 years now. Been a part of this ministry for 12 years in some form, fashion, or capacity. And you don't have to be, you don't have to look that deep to know that it is very hard to run a nonprofit ministry in today's world, especially a faith-based one. It's just not fun. My penance has been paid. My dues have been paid. And my mom, of all people, reminded me, my penance is never paid. Jesus paid the penance for me on the cross. What is it that I'm going to do for him in my righteousness that's going to repay that? My kids get to know who Jesus is because of what Jesus did for me. 
at what point do I say I've paid it? At what point in my own righteousness do I say I've done enough? And the reality is I haven't. But the one thing I know without a shadow of a doubt is I was once foolish. I was once as far from God as I will have ever be. And Jesus looked down at me at that moment, and I've said it over and over again this year. God spoke to me at the beginning of the year and told me that I needed to say this at every single opportunity that had a microphone or a platform. That it wasn't when I came to an altar at Teen Challenge that Jesus decided that my, work, that my life was worth the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And you either. Don't have to come from a life of drug addiction, but it was when you were as far from Jesus as you will ever be that he looked down and said, your life is worth my own. If that doesn't speak to us about the level of humility and the posture of humility that we have to take, because God also loves the addict as much as he loved you. He loved the homeless as much as he loved you. He loves the person that is persecuting the church as much as he loved you. And if he sacrificed himself for you, he has sacrificed himself for them. Because we ourselves were once there. We were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slave to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others, and hating one another. Describe my life to a T. And I'm not a brain surgeon, but I would expect that it's described your life prior to Christ. We can think we're really good. We can think that we measure up. But the Bible says the wages of sin is death. That is what each and every single one of us have earned for our life. But the next scripture says, but when the God, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared. That that is very important in the letter to Titus because like we said in the beginning, the church at Crete had kind of fallen back into traditionalism. They had fallen back into, well, I need to do the, this, this, and this to, to be good. They had fallen into Austin's thought process back in March of my penance has been paid. It has nothing to do with your goodness or righteousness. It is the loving kindness, goodness, and righteousness of God the Father. That is the reason that each and every single one of us are here. It is by the mercies of God that we have the opportunity to present our lives as a living sacrifice. The last part of that tells us that we, and it's one of the parts I love about serving the Lord the best is he knows that there's gonna be times where I fall short. He knows there's gonna be times that I question. He knows there's gonna be times where I just wanna do anything else, but he allows us to test the will of God. He allows us to see every moment, every every spiritual truth, every breakthrough that you have, the enemy is after every single bit of it. Every moment of clarity that God brings to your mind, the enemy is after it. Every single one of us are gonna face the crisis of belief. Do we believe that God is who he says he is? Do we believe that God's word is true? When the deck is stacked against us and we are on our knees, will we pick back up the mantle of our own life and try to fix it, or will we allow the love and kindness of Jesus to be the defining characteristic in our lives, and will we allow him to do the things that only he could do? I don't know about you, I have found myself in positions in life so many times where there was no answer. There was no way out of this hole. The pit was too deep. I remember, I'm a huge Marvel movie fan in the, the first Avengers when the Black Widow was talking to Loki, who was the bad 
guy in the first movie? And Loki says, there's just too much red in your ledger. How do you think that you can overcome so much red? And I ask myself that too. How can I overcome this much? Maybe if I had stopped five years into addiction and, and maybe then, but what about now, this much? What about after I've accepted Jesus as my savior? What about, what about today in the life that I live in the flesh that, that I fall short of the glory of God each and every single day? Can I overcome that with my own goodness? No possible way. But it is through the goodness and the loving kindness when Jesus Christ appeared to me, to you, to all of us, to this world that we now have the eternal hope of heaven. I found that a lot of times the days that are good days for me and the bad days for me are simply a matter of perspective. There are a lot of days that I remember, Paul said, the very beginning, to remind them. There's a lot of days that I remember that this is not my home, that my eternal destiny is in glory with Jesus. And so the problems that I face today don't look so big. But there's days I forget. There are days and situations and circumstances in this life that I, that I still, as a believer, just don't see the end. And it's just because I've lost my perspective. I forgot the loving kindness and goodness of God when he appeared to me. Not because that when the when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy and by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. You and I have a fountain of youth that we can go to each and every single day. We have, we have an opportunity to renew our minds each and every single day. We have an opportunity to renew and give something over to the Lord each and every single day. You're never too far gone, and you're never too far forward. If we, if we can remain present in this day that God has with our eyes fixed on what is ahead, and we can make a real mark in this world today. To me, that is where revival starts. We know that the, that we know that the goodness and the kindness and the Holy Spirit is going to appear to us, washing us, regenerating us, the renewal of the Holy Spirit available, present, Always, day after day, week after week, month after month, second after second, the availability that we have to the Savior of this universe, Jesus Christ, is there for us. It has to start somewhere. We have to position ourselves in a posture of humility that allows that to begin. And all of this starts by a living sacrifice, a life that is sacrificed and set apart for the Lord, because if we miss that part, if we miss that daily dying to ourself, we'll never get to the renewing and the, and, the, and the regeneration that is in the Holy Spirit. Our egos and our arrogance won't allow ourselves to get there. I went several months not allowing myself to get there because I simply forgot what my life really was, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, because I can show up on Sundays and I can raise my hands and we can have chapel services at Teen Challenge, and I can drive in my car, and I can leave it on Way FM or Faith Radio, and I can sing and all that stuff. But man, if I don't wake up and choose it each and every single day, I'm putting a limit on the good works that I can be available for God to use me for, 
And there's an area of my life that my ego won't let the Holy Spirit renew and regenerate on a daily basis. That's our challenge. That's a challenge that God has given me as a believer, and I believe it's for all of us to wake up and choose each and every single day to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, because that is our greatest form of worship. Eric? We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.